You're listening to the world of Malcolm Noble's crime fiction. Across South Leicestershire and North Northamptonshire. Where are you? Mother, you know where I am. You phoned the Dorking Hotel. But where are you when I need you? Elizabeth, someone has murdered the maid. Harper FM presents Kate Gamble as Lizzie Waldron and Beth Crowther as her mother in Lizzie Waldron and the Dead Sitting Room. Don't poke your fingers, Elizabeth, please. Not even in a railway tea room. I never liked syrupy cakes. What an ungrateful comment when you know your mother's nerves are on edge. Who can believe that my gardener's murdered my maid? What sort of a house do they think I'm running? It really is too distasteful. I shan't eat it. You always were a willful child. If you don't want it, I shall wrap it up and take it home. A succulent piece of cake will go very nicely with my beanbags at bedtime. Really? You're not here to be fussy, Elizabeth. Murder's been done in my sitting room and all you can do is complain. Sometimes I feel you're determined to disappoint your mother. They've let Roots go. I promise to keep an eye on him. I mean, where is the old fool going to run to? He's never happier than when he's in that garden shed. They questioned him for three hours. He put hemlock in her tea. That's what they're saying. I can't believe he'd kill anyone. It really is too distasteful. Oh, I can't sit here looking at it. Give me that cake if you're not going to eat it. That's nonsense. He couldn't have mixed a fatal dose without the girl tasting that something was wrong. It's awful stuff. I remember he used to make me drink it when you wanted me to be sick. What a wicked thing to say. You were always trying to clean me out. If not one end, it was the other. Well, I hope you'll have the decency to keep such stories to yourself. I'm not bringing you back from Dorking so you can embarrass your mother. And there's to be no nonsense with that fool of a policeman. He's still moping around the village. I don't think I met your last maid. That cannot surprise you, Elizabeth. You so rarely satisfy your obligations. Sometimes I think I could be quite poorly and my own daughter would know little about it. Unlikely. And I wish you wouldn't call her the last maid like that. Sounds so final. Poor Rhoda. She was probably the worst of the lot. No second thoughts. That was her trouble. She didn't give herself no time to properly consider. She wanted to leave, but I said I wouldn't speak for her until she persevered for three months. She was far worse than Hilda from Shuttington, and she was bad enough. There'd been a great falling out between them. Between Rhoda and Shuttington Hilda? Don't be clever. You know your mother means Rhoda and Roots. It was all over the kitchen garden. Roots said it was out of doors and his, and she said it was for the kitchen and hers. It's very upsetting for your mother. I could feel my tubular glands inflating with the nerves. I saw no option than to share them with Dr Dalton. My own daughter was in Dorking, I'm afraid, though she's yet to tell me why. And what did Dr Dalton do? She had words with them. Your glandular tubes? Roots and Rhoda. Smartness does not become you, Elizabeth. She arranged an afternoon tea in my sitting room so that they could patch things up in front of me. She was very much like that, you know. She was a magistrate in the war. 
And it was definitely hemlock poisoning and definitely taken at this tea party. We can hardly call it a party, Elizabeth. The poor girl died. But not from Root's pot of hemlock tea. I've already decided that. What else did she eat? Rhoda made some spicy flapjack. No, she didn't poison herself. And Dr Dalton bought some chocolate fancies. Dr Dalton? She's always under motor cars, isn't she? She'd be a good one to start with, Elizabeth. Yes, I think so too. As soon as we get home. She can't hear you. Oh, oh, crikey. I didn't see How are you, you Lizzie? I was bound to, of course. See you. I should have worked out what to say. I didn't mean to creep up on you. Please don't think that. Where were you? I was hiding in the edge. Uh, still hoping for CID, I see. I didn't ought to be here, really. I've been told to stay out of it, but poison's such a genuine murder, don't you think? I mean, murder on purpose. Murder premeditated. Lizzie, I wanted to explain things. No, Mother's in one of her states, and that's the only reason I've come back. I want to talk to Dr Dalton. Please, Nigel. Nothing else. She's round the back disemboweling in an old Riley. And even if you could make her here, you'd get no sense out of her. I've already tried. You've got hedge growing out of your collar. I suppose I look silly leaping out like that. Lizzie, if, um... No. No matter what you were going to say. There's no point. Not anymore. Things have moved on. You've, uh, met someone else? Yes. If that makes it easier. If that's what I've got to say. I want you to tell your people that I know that I'm overstepping the mark and I'm sure the police will make a good job of it, but Mother has asked me to help. She thinks I'm good at this sort of thing. Well, this time you're too late. I'm not so wet behind the ears as you all think. I have one or two very promising leads. Why do you think I was hiding in the edge? I know. Murder must be a wonderful chance for a young copper to show what he's made of. And I did say you'd do a proper job. No, I don't know. What were you doing in the hedge? I wanted to see if the murderer had come knocking on her door, of course. Who needs to keep the doctor quiet? Who has something to hide? Just how much do you know? You were never good at telling a whole story. Did you ever meet the maid before she died? Of course I did. Three times. Always a Sunday. She'd been up to my police lodgings complaining. She wanted to tell me that old Roots was trying to get a glimpse of her. If you get my meaning. Him in the garden, she called him. Mine, I wouldn't let her say all that she wanted. She was a little Miss Mischief, if you ask me. Oh, Lord, here comes Dalton. She's another one who thinks I'm a fool. I'm going to scoot round the back. Don't give me away, Lizzie. That girl, Waldron. It's good to see you. I shan't shake hands. I've been working on Henry's six-cylinder. Big beast. Still, we'll have her working before the Ulton Park Festival. How's your mother, Lizzie? Coping, I trust. Last time I saw her. She wanted me to diagnose measles. She still does that sort of thing. She won't be told. What do you think of my eyes, Dr. Dalton? I've got nerves in my legs, Dr. Dalton. Sometimes I don't know what to say to satisfy her. You'd better walk round to the conservatory. I see you've got rid of that young pest. He's like a curse. Tell me, Lizzie, do you scale X? I can't say I do. Mother didn't compensate for a house without brothers. Character-building stuff, you know, scale extric. My Henry took me to that centre at Southport, just for a look, he said. But he couldn't stop me having a go. I showed those men a thing or two. 
They had to make me an honorary driver. I gave them no choice. Now, what do you want from me? I've had young Wedge snooping around my garden all morning. He takes notes, you know, in a notebook. I wouldn't be surprised to catch him with a magnifying glass. You made some cakes for Mother's tea party? Baking's not this Dalton's boat, I'm afraid. Not at all. I bought a pack of six from Lewis's. Oh, Lord, did I pass them off as my own? <laughs> I'll be turfed out of the boys' brigade if your mother lets it slip. You know, if that girl had left your mother when she wanted to, she'd be alive today. This tip with the gardener was nothing at all. A few words soon sorted it out. Mind, the man Roots is a strange mix. He always insists that we talk in his shed. When I called on him this morning, he wouldn't look me in the face. Just went on shredding hemlock like stalks, uh, stalks on his bench. A bit like, I don't know, gutting fish. Yes, gutting fish with wet lips. Stalks or leaves? Just the stalks. Dr Dalton, you're not a real doctor, are you? Philosophy, darling. But your mother won't have it. Oh, for pity's sake, look at him now. He's examining the lawn. Do you think he keeps a bloodhound? As a pet, I mean. Who killed poor Rhoda? Ah, who poisoned Rhoda the maid? <laughs> no doubt about it, girl. I never have liked the fellow. Always creeping where he's no business to be. Boots, you mean? Not at all. No, you're thinking that it had to be me, your mother or Roots. Just because we were in the room at the same time. I say poppy jumbo to all that. Come on, girl, it was this twerp wedge. Oh, hardly. The poor man wouldn't have the first idea how to do it. Stands to reason. Why else was he hiding in my hedge? It will all come to light, mark my words. I bet he was sweet on the girl and she refused him, so he'd done her in. You know that men can't take rejection, that's the nub of it. I think he crept round the back of your mother's house. Didn't I say he was always creeping? And picked the hemlock from Root's bucket on the path. Then he stretched his arm through the open kitchen window and slipped it in the girl's tea. Isn't that rather clever? Too clever by half, that's what I say. He always has been. I'm sorry if you two still have a thing going, but... Dr Dalton, I'd like to invite you to tea. Four o'clock with Mother. words with you roots before mother and the doctor arrive how are you lizzie i'm fine and you're eating properly don't be silly i'm fine really i'm through all that i've always said that you inherited your mother's nerves that's all in the past roots i wouldn't be here if it was difficult only your mother mentioned the cake at st pancras it was walnut and syrup i've never liked syrupy cakes and don't speak on mother's behalf roots you were never any good at it, and it only makes matters worse. I'm fine, really. And you're my best friend. I never feel right in Mrs Waldron's sitting room. I prefer it in my shed. You love being in that shed with me when you're an infant. You'd turn a bucket upside down and sit there for hours, just watching. You talked for hours, Roots. You may be right about that. A man amongst his flowers always has something to say. Do 
did you know that the maid had spoken to our police constable about you? No. No, I didn't. No. Why would she want to do that? She thought you were spying on her. Well, you see, there is something in that. Tell the truth, Miss Lizzie. I was never absolutely happy with what that girl was about. Oh, you expect all maids to do a bit of sneaking here and there. A bit of nosiness comes with the calling, you might say. But I always had a feeling that she was putting things in rather than taking things out. Putting things in? Yes, in drawers and cupboards. Hiding them like... Roots, what did you find? Heavens, there you go. On the button from the start, Miss Lizzie. Well, I did come across something. I was spying on her, much as your young police constable might say. And I saw her tuck something in your mother's finickety drawer. The one on her writing desk? That's the one, Miss Lizzie. It was a letter intended for your mother. Quite vicious it was. Not the sort of note I could have left lying around for Mrs Waldron to find. What did you do with it? Do with it? I shredded it in with my hemlock. It seemed ideal being so poisonous. How's your detecting going, Miss Lizzie? There were three people in that room and each of them could have poisoned Rhoda the maid. Your mother, Dr Dalton and Old Roots. Each of them could have, but I know Old Roots didn't. I know the truth, Roots. I was pretty much on it from the start. That will be Nigel. I thought we'd better invite him. Come in, Nigel. You know Roots, Mother's gardener. Didn't ought to be here, really. If I asked, they'd say it was a CRD job. Dr Dalton and Mother will be here in a few moments, and I know they'll be thrilled to see you. What did the doctor tell you? The cakes came from Lewis's. She's good at scale electric, and when Mr Roots shreds hemlock, it's like gutting fish. Before we start, I want to say something. Nigel, no. About the dead maid. She was always coming to my digs when she knew I was grooming Pluto. Now, what do you think of that? I don't want to ask. You've got a dog? And you've called it Pluto? I'm not a lad, really, but I persuaded me landlady to buy St Hubert's Cross. I don't believe this. He's got a bloodhound. Dalton will have him in clink before his bedtime. Lizzie, this is all wrong. We can't lay out the room as if our little maid is still alive. You sit over there, Dalton. You're turning it all into a game, Lizzie Waldron. Dr Dalton, I assure you, murder is no game. Then put your notebook away. You look ridiculous. I didn't know what she saw in you. We have four plates on the table, each with a slice of spicy flapjack and a chocolate cake. From Lewis's, I hear. But the very best, Mrs Waldron. Is everyone here? Mother, Roots and Dr Dalton have taken their places. And of course, the empty chair is for Rhoda, the maid. Lizzie, we must put a stop to this. The doctor is quite right. It's distasteful. And uh, where would the victim be at the moment? Making tea in the kitchen. Which felt all topsy-turvy. You see, she and Roots were supposed to be in this room so they could make friends in front of Mrs Waldron. So I went off to the kitchen and told Rhoda to come back in here. But before you left? Before I left? Well, nothing. What did you do with the extra two cakes? You bought a pack of six, but only four were on the plates, so you had two spare. Goodness, how clever of you. Yes, of course, I gave one to you, Mrs Waldron, because I know how much you adore them, and popped the last on Rhoda's plate. 
Is that important? Until the maid returned from the kitchen, Mr Roots and Mrs Waldron were on their own. But not for long. I couldn't let a guest like Dr Dalton skivvy in the scullery while old Roots rested his back in an armchair. So I asked Mrs Waldron if I could take a turn at the sink. Leaving Mother alone? In fact, Mother, you were the only one who was in this room all the time. This is nonsense. Please, Lizzie, you're not here to embarrass your mother. Dr Dalton, you left Roots alone in the kitchen. Yes, making the tea. And you followed Rhoda to the sitting room. She was a couple of minutes ahead of me. She'd finished the first of her cakes before I walked in. You saw the empty wrapper on the plate? Did I? Did you? Did ya? Young man, must you behave like a parrot? Let's move on. I'm sure the cake wrapper means nothing at all. I think it's very small-minded of Elizabeth to mention it. I don't know. I mean, I didn't look. Well, I did look and... Do you know, my word, it wasn't there. You're right, it wasn't there. Wasn't there. <coughs> I don't understand. What does everybody know that I don't? No wrapper means no murder was done in here. It happened in the kitchen. No, nothing at all happened in the kitchen. Mother? I, I couldn't help it. I had to do it. I was sitting here all the time thinking, this is my house. You will allow that. It is my house. And she was just the maid. I know that things have changed, moved on since the war. Maid these days treats the house as her own. She thinks she's an equal. And here was the evidence. It was staring at me like some blatant truth, and I couldn't take my eyes off it. I didn't think I was doing wrong. Something secret, perhaps, but nothing wrong. I thought I must make things right, as they ought to be. Everyone was out of the room, so I leant forward and I took it. I know it sounds dreadful now because the poor girl's dead, but at the time, at the time, you understand, why should she have an extra cake and a chocolate cake at that? And the wrapper? It was too gooey, left a smudge on the plate. And you all would have known. So I swapped the plates. Good grief. Quite right, Nigel. Good grief. We'll make a detective of you yet. There was no murder in this room, but we do have a case of attempted murder. Hemlock tea is nonsense. I've drunk too many, haven't I, Roots? to know that it tastes deadly, but masked by spices and sugar. Rhoda ate only one thing in this room, the flapjack she had prepared herself, and she was sure her slice was harmless. But it wasn't, because the plates had been swapped. Because? Oh, my dear Mrs Waldron, the maid meant the poison for you. She prepared one slice of flapjack with hemlock and put it on your plate. Oh, that's wicked. Wicked of all of you. Elizabeth, how can you let people think that your mother's a woman to be murdered? She thought badly of you, Mother. I'm afraid she was very bitter, ma'am. Is that what people are to say of me? An old crow who ought to be done in? No, Elizabeth, Dr Roots, I will not have it. You've been listening to Kate Gamble as Lizzie Waldron and Viv Crowther as her mother. Jack Gamble played Constable Wedge, David Quayle played Roots the Gardener, and Chris Pryor was Dr Dalton. The music was from Freeze Effects. Lizzie Waldron and the Dead Sitting Room was written by Malcolm Noble. 
So there's nothing to attract you back to our village? I've new things to do. I shall persuade Mother to move. <laughs> the only way your mother will leave that house is in a wooden box. But she can't stay in that room knowing someone tried to poison her. Oh, give her time to reorganise. She'll make a lounge out of the dining room and leave the sitting room closed up. Yes, my mother's dead sitting room. The world of Malcolm Noble's crime fiction. For now, you may remember that back in February of this year, we did um, what was the first for Harbour FM. It was a radio play. It was Lizzie Waldron's Day Return. We had uh, a great response to that, the great feedback. So we're actually going to be doing it again. And I'm joined in the studio by two of the cast that are taking part in that particular radio play. I'm pleased to introduce David and Viv. Good evening to you both. Hello. Hello. Well, uh, before we talk about the play itself, just uh, introduce yourselves to our listeners. For anybody who doesn't know who you are, just give them a little brief resume of what you've done so far. David? Um, my name's David Quayle. I was in the previous play and uh, I w the only times I've been on the stage actually in Market Harbour Drum Society mm -hmm. where over about uh, 11 years I think it was I was in an 8 or 9 plays and I stopped in um, 2015 because 2011 sorry because mm -hmm. ill health and things but um, yeah uh, that's my background in acting anyway. But theatre's always been something that you've been keen to do. I was always interested from a young age, yeah. But okay. I've never done it to when. Well, and over to you, Viv. Hello, um, my name's Viv Crowder. I've been interested in drama since school. Um, my one claim to fame is that um, my first public appearance was in the York Mystery Plays, um, the same place that Judy Dent first came to the right. public notice, <laughs> although she played the Virgin Mary and I was only Noah's third daughter. <laughs> so it wasn't a fine romance at no, that point then? not at that point. And since then I've done village dramas um, and uh, at the moment I'm with Market Harbour um, Theatre, joined them in 2003 and done quite a variety of parts, some uh, pretty major ones. Uh, the last thing we've just done is um, the All England One Act Play Festival. Right, yes. I understand the theatre did quite well. Oh, uh, we got through to the semi-finals um, and were pipped at the post. But we got a good adjudication, so yeah, it was nice to do that. That's great. So it's great to have two people like yourselves on board with the play. Now, we're back in February, you did the first radio play. So between you, just tell us how, what the experience and, and sort of how you got involved in that play came about. Well, uh, Malcolm um, advertised through the society uh, for people and so I volunteered and Malcolm was mad enough to take me on and I think we all thoroughly enjoyed what was a brand new experience. It was. was yeah. um, but it was only later, I think, well I thought anyway, actually that was live and a lot of people don't go straight in and do something live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we managed it and survived to tell the tale and it was a very good play and we enjoyed doing it, I think. Yeah. Yes, I mean, one, one of the really nice things is that you don't you have to go through the word hell that you have when you're going on to to do a, um, uh, a play you've got your script in front of you which is which is marvelous and uh, it was all very clearly laid out by Marcus that was brilliant and I thoroughly enjoyed it so much so that you know put my neck on the, the line and say let's do another one <laughs> and that's my might, might as well where we move on to so the first one was Lizzie Waldron's David Turner I understand it's going to be another Lizzie Waldron one as well um, Viv, tell us a little bit more about the play that's going to be coming up. Well, it's another whodunit. 
um, but this time it, it involves uh, Lizzie's uh, immediate family. Um, I play Lizzie's mum. I obviously don't want to spoil the plot or anything no. at all, but it's uh, it's closer at home for Lizzie. She has to solve uh, a murder on her own doorstep. Oh, and David? <laughs> uh, well, I'm really employed and have been since the year dot by Viv's character. Right. Uh, so I'm the faithful retainer, if you like, with the wonderful name of Roots, because I'm the gardener. Mm -hmm. um, and the play, I think, is... The last one was certainly light-hearted and light entertainment, but I think it's, um, it makes you smile directly this time, if you can put it that way. So it's slightly different. I think with more depth, hasn't it? It's yeah. got more depth, it this has. one. Yes. yes, definitely. Now, you're two of the cast members. How big is the cast in whole, and who are we missing tonight? Well, we're missing Lizzie herself, and um, uh, Lizzie's boyfriend, and Dr Dalton. All right. So there's the, uh, the five of us. Okay. And Dr. Dalton is a new actress from the That's last right, time? That's uh, right, Chris Pryor, who's uh, associated with Harper's Theatre, but also with the musical theatre as well. So it's, it's good to get sort of local people involved in things like this, on local radio. I think mm. that's po perhaps another positive of, of yeah. what we're trying to do here. Yeah. I mean, I think a national radio channel, which I won't mention, <laughs> um, Brookhouse, I think, a couple of plays a day, and then yeah. they're popular. So it's brilliant that a local station like HFM is finding space for a play. I think mm. it's absolutely marvellous. So talk, tell us, um, I know you, you don't want to give too much away because we want people to listen, but just give us a little idea of what the play is going to involve. Ooh, tricky, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Lizzie is summoned home by her mother um, because dare I say it, someone mm. has murdered the maid. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's sort of, is it, is it an obvious who done it or is it, there's a little twist? No, yes, there's a little twist, yes. It's, uh, Martin's written it very well, um, having to get a lot into a short space of time and, uh, yeah, keep you hanging on till the end. And it's, um, yeah, very clever little twist. So when's this play going to happen? How far away? And have you had many rehearsals? We've had a couple of rehearsals, and uh, it's for broadcast in two weeks' time. And thanks right. again to you, Owen, for hosting it. Welcome. And uh, what's the plans for the future? Is there going to be more radio plays? Would you be keen to be involved in more, do you think? Uh, absolutely, yes. I think Malcolm does have some ideas. Um, right. that, uh, I think he's started the ball rolling for, for something else, but uh, maybe that's for him to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of yourselves, what are you two doing at the moment, or what are your plans for your futures? Uh, well, at the moment, having just finished the one-act play festival, I shall um, be sort of wait, waiting till next season before uh, we've, it, the, the theatre will close for the summer. Of course, uh, yeah. um, so it'll be uh, to see what the, what the new plays are that are coming up and mm -hmm. see where I want to go from there. Okay, and David, who knows? Perhaps I will audition for something in um, in the future. I don't know, but for the moment, I'm just enjoying being retired generally and carrying on with life. Well, well, thank you to the pair of you for coming in this evening. I think after the first one, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in this one as well. And it's been great to find out a little bit more from the two of you this evening. Um, when I wrote this story as a radio play, I had to be very disciplined. And I think that's the main lesson that it taught me. Um, obviously, there's a question of uh, coming in on time, not too long, not too short. And remembering that you can only have so many players or characters in the studio at the same time.
So, um, yeah, so it's quite a discipline from the novels that I usually run. Before Christmas, uh, Owen said that he was thinking of changing his show into more of a performing arts show. Uh, so I suggested to him then that it might be a good idea to uh, have a go with a radio play. And um, I looked at home and I had a discarded short story, uh, which I thought would lend itself very nicely uh, to the project. And I'm very pleased with how it turned out. Yeah. I think I've been very fortunate in finding five excellent players. They're very busy, they're very committed. And when we had our first rehearsal, they seemed to take what I had written to an absolutely different level. They really did escalate it. Uh, and so I'm very, very pleased with the commitment and the work that people have put in. When I got to work on it, what I was trying to deliver was old-time radio, where there wasn't too much production input, but still a very good story, I hope, with a genuine puzzle in it, a genuine whodunit, uh, and I hope that we've delivered that. Across South Leicestershire and North Northamptonshire. On 102.3 FM and online at www.harborfm.co.uk. 102.3 HFM.